Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Sunday, May 15, 2022, and welcome to the Now Mind You podcast, episode 19, Combat. I'm TJ. I'm Matt. And as usual, before we go any further, I forgot this last time for the last combat episode. There are spoilers ahead, so if you haven't watched any of these fights, do what you need to do. In terms of the docket for this episode, once again, your boy, due to some personal reasons, missed out on the UFC card. But thankfully, we got a Superman. He was in court. We got. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> got... Right when I'm about to compliment the shit out of you, but I'm gonna still do it. I'm gonna still do it. But we got a Superman and my co-host Matt, who watched not only a UFC Fight Night Blockovich versus Rakic, right? He mm-hmm. also watched the boxing event, Showtime Boxing Pay-Per-View with uh, Castaño versus Charlo 2, right? Mm-hmm. So without further ado, well, for one, make sure you give Matt his props when you are given the opportunity. Also, if you want to give Matt his props in semi-real time, we have this thing called the Discord where you can reach mm-hmm. out to us, the creators of this podcast. What? Just putting that out what? there. Believe it or not, it's crazy. Let's plug. But also, uh, it's, you can find it on our flow page. But uh, yeah, give Matt his props, but I'm going to let him take it away. And I'm, I'm sure he wants to cover that boxing fight first because I, I heard it was pretty exciting. Go ahead, sir. You saw it was pretty exciting, too. Yeah, I you, a little did bit send, of that you did send me a clip, man. They were not messing around. Uh, and they were apparently not getting paid by the hour. But let's no, go. no, they weren't. So last night we had one of the Charlo twins fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... <laughs> First of all, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead go ahead and say it, and I hope they don't find me one day and beat the brakes off me. But it's so wild. Wait, hold on, Paul. Are you sure you want to? Uh... <laughs> oh no, 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 I have no fear of this. I have no fear of this. I'm sure they've heard this. It's just wild to me that their parents named them Jamel and Jamal. Like, <laughs> there's literally an A and an E difference with their name, and that's it. <laughs> like, that to me is just hilarious. That's funny as hell. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, we had <laughs> it's neither nor there, but we had uh, Jermel Charlo who fought uh, Brian Castaño last night in a rematch for the undisputed uh, light middleweight titles. Mm. Now, they both held several belts apiece, and this was going to be their opportunity to be the first people to unify this title. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this era of the four title belts for uh, super middleweight, mm-hmm. I mean, for, for light middleweight. Mm-hmm. So this was a pretty big deal. It was a big deal last time. So the last time they fought, they fought in San Antonio. Um, they fought to a draw. Pretty controversial, depending on who you ask. Some people felt um, Brian Castaño won. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people felt Jermel won, obviously, you know, so it right. could kind of go either way. And that's typically how it works, obviously, which is why they ended up with a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the first time really in a while, it, really the only time I could think of that we had seen Jermel in any real trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, Jermel, uh, between he and his brother, he's the only one that still ha- that has a loss on his record. They're both, they were for the longest time, both undefeated, but Jermel uh, did take a loss back in 2018 to a Tony Harrison, got one fight to bounce back in between time, knocked the guy out three rounds, and then came back and TKO'd the man that took his belt, got his belt back, and has maintained him. his winning ways ever since. Nice. Um, the, again, despite the fact he had that draw, 
it was a good fight, man. That that last one. And they pretty much picked up where they left off when they rematched. So what we had here was you got Jamel Charlo, one half of the Charlo twins. Um, this twin is nicknamed Iron Man. And we have Brian Castaño, who is from Argentina, actually. And he was coming in uh, initially when he fought Jamel. He was 17 and 0. And as of last night, he is now 17 and 1. Hey, that's not a bad record. No, it's still not a bad record. And it's not a bad record, also considering he's been a world champion already. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Some people don't get that opportunity. I mean, he's held world titles. He was able to fight with everything on the line. He was able to fight for history. And trust me, like based off how this fight went, he he won't be done. He's about to take a break for a little bit, but he won't right. be done. Right. Um, so I'm just gonna get into it. The story of the fight was going to be, and the story of all rematches, right, is the same mm-hmm. thing. Who made the better adjustments? Mm-hmm. Who's different or who's the same going into this fight? And typically what we see out of the Charlos, especially Jamel from time to time, is that he kind of, I won't say he's slow to start because he's active every round, but he's his aggressiveness doesn't pick up until later in the fight. Mm. Castaño is a guy who's kind of aggressive right away. Immediately, he needs you to know you there to fight. If you fighting Brian Castaño, there's no part of that three-minute boxing round that you're not about to be in a fight. Right. Um, and that's something that a lot of people can appreciate. So they get into it first round. It's pretty even, but we're seeing kind of that difference with Jamel. Uh, uh, with his the difference in his game plan is he's really kind of committing to that stick, really committing to the jab, and he's starting to commit to counters. But his goal and his game plan in this scenario was to kind of try. Ideally, he wanted to try to keep Brian Castaño at distance. Brian mm-hmm. Castaño, Castaño is five seven. Jamel is five eleven. Mm. Um, he had Wait, a sixty eight inch. I'm this sorry. weight class, how much do they weigh? Uh, this is light, light middleweight, junior middleweight, whichever. Uh, it's kind of, it depends on who you're asking, but they're at 154. 5'11", cutting down to 154, dude? Yeah, I mean, he's not a huge guy. I know, but still. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, you got, you got to understand, TJ. I know it's hard because you saw you all super tall, but like, you know, uh, us people on the lower end of that six hey, foot spectrum. Matt's acting like he's not tall too. Okay. <laughs> I said the lower end of the six foot spectrum. Nigga, you're tall. All right, we'll go. <laughs> go, on, go on, go on. You know, every, everybody don't go up and out. Some people just go straight up. You right. know what I'm saying? I mean, right. but to be fair, his brother, uh, Jamal, is the one that fights at a higher weight class. He fights just flat out at middleweight, which mm. would uh, let him be at 168. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Um, but yeah, Brian Castaño, five foot seven, 68 inch reach, and Jamel is 5'11, and he has a 73 inch reach. Mm. So, you know, it was overall, it was, you know, it was a little bit of a difference. So, his goal and his game plan was to keep Brian Castaño as best he could, either at mid range or outside, because Brian Castaño does his best work in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's really where his best opportunities are. I won't always say it's his best work because as anybody who's involved in combat sports knows, once you fight in a phone booth, you have equal opportunity to be messed up as you have to do the messing up. Right. 
So <clears throat> we got starting out in that first round, Jamal was letting that jab go. He was starting to kind of throw counters and he was throwing somewhat. He was kind of teasing some combinations. He was throwing his counters. He wasn't all the way letting them go. But I felt like it was it was a pretty even round. Um, but that last kind of 30 seconds that of the round, it kind of felt like both guys were starting to get really active, really the last minute of the first round, both guys were really starting to get a lot more active with their hands, letting the hands go. And, um, the last kind of 30 seconds, that was when Jamal was starting to do combinations as his counters. And he was really starting to let his hands go a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, we get into round two, Charlo picked up where he left off, ramping up more aggression more counters, and it was really just trying to keep this guy at distance, but Castaño was starting to land a right hand, and he was starting to use that right hand to nullify the jab. He was throwing the right hand with the jab, uh, with Jamal's jab, I'm referring to, to kind of get him to stop throwing it, because, man, he was using that stick. And they brought up a good point that Jamal picked up his uh, production in this round, in this fight, whereas usually throws somewhere around like the 47 mark average of punches per round, sometimes a little bit under that. Mm-hmm. The first, like in that opening round, he threw over 60 punches. And the same thing yeah. kind of tended to to follow uh, after that, where he was just keeping, keeping busy, really just letting his hands go more and more. So as we're seeing him pick up the aggression, those first two rounds, round three, Castaño starts to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Castaño's goal is to try to get you on the ropes and beat you up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's And that's obviously your best course of action when you're dealing with a, a size and height disadvantage and reach disadvantage. You want to bring that person to an opportunity, at least to a space where the, opp- the opportunity is a little more even. It's a little more 50-50 than it is 60-40, 70-30 or what have you, given on, um, you know, your placement inside of the ring. Right. Um, But he was starting to find some more success, kind of was starting to get starting to push Charlo back. And round three really was when the fight started to break out. This is where they were starting to pick moments where they would just sit in front of each other and let their hands go, you know, move your head, duck, move. But they were choosing pockets of this round to start fighting in a phone booth. I didn't see a phone booth in there, but they clearly saw it. I don't know, maybe a mime or something put them up in that joint. But then we go on in round four. Um, we were starting to see Charlo was starting to counter a little bit more. You know, he was starting to move back and kind of trying to walk uh, Castaño into some punches. And Castaño was keeping that pressure. He was keeping his output high. Um, and that the stretch of the last kind of 30 seconds of round four proved to only be a preview for what we were going to see for the rest of this fight. Mm. Round five, all I got in my notes is war. That's all I wrote. <laughs> Round five, all caps, war. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, round five, that round five is where I sent you the clip of. That was the yeah. last minute of round five. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. TJ, you could speak to that at least. What little bit you saw that last, that was the last minute of that round. Listen, uh, I, I, it's like ropes, right? You see in this exchange, it's like Castaño, like, I don't even think the word peppering is enough because it wasn't peppering. Like my boy was throwing bombs. Yeah, there was shots. Body, was shots. Like he was like <laughs> more like piston. Like I don't like listen. He was trying to get Charlo's hands to drop, but like Charlo, man, to his credit, bro, excellent head movement and defense. Even with like faced with a barrage like that, 
And you saw, like, as the round was, like, edging closer and closer to the end of that final minute, like, Charlo was getting ahead on these exchanges. Like you said, maybe it's just that he could be considered somewhat of a slow starter. Um, but, like, when he was in there, I don't even think he necessarily felt in danger. But I, I can't mm-hmm. – I mean, I'm not in his head, but, like, those body shots had to hurt a little bit. But, yeah. man, like, his head never getting hit clean. But then, at some point – my boy uses his footwork, gets off the ropes, and puts Castaño on the ropes, and it's it turns into a slightly different fight. Like there is a point where Charlo's jab connects. Like I mean, it like gets past Castaño's hands, connects with his jaw. And I thought, honestly, without like having seen the rest of the clip that Matt sent me, I thought it was all right. This there's gonna be a knockdown at least, but no. Then the mm-hmm. bell rang, but it's like, listen. I mean, Matt said that was that was war. That was pretty wild to see. Um, yeah, man, like it pretty was wild to see these homies. They, like again, they were not getting paid by the hour. It's like one of us has got to go. It's not going to be a draw. Like that's that was the vibe off of the strength of that. Yeah, round. it wasn't about to be a draw no second <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, not again. Yeah. Um, and, and TJ's right. That's exactly how these guys fought. Again, like I said, this was a rematch, but this was a rematch for all the marbles. The person to when this fight would become the undisputed champion at super middleweight mm-hmm. or at light middleweight, rather, I apologize. Um, mm-hmm. And this will, the winner of this fight was going to become only the eighth person in history to unify that division. Dude. Yeah. It was only the eighth person ever to be the undisputed champion at light middleweight and mm-hmm. um, going forward. So what we had after that, after round five, man, round six was a lot more of the same. It was like, instead of it stretching for that one 60 second clip that like that, that you got a chance to see TJ, it was mm-hmm. happening for like 20 seconds at a time. Mm-hmm. These guys would just get into these exchanges and then Charlo would move again. And you see into these exchanges or Castaño would move. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of got to a point where the rounds were starting to get, I won't necessarily say hard to score, but they were flip flopping rounds. Close. It was like, yeah. all right, I think Charlo might have got that one. Might have edged it. Uh, Castaño yeah. might have edged it. And um, going into the seventh round, it was looking like the momentum might have shifted a little bit until mm-hmm. pretty interesting thing happens. Castaño um, was trying to push Jamel back, and you know, which is all he was doing the whole fight. Mm-hmm. And Jamel blasts him with like this big ass left hook, and it stopped him in his tracks. He didn't crumble. His knees didn't bend or anything, but his pressure subsided immediately after Mm -hmm. eating that left hook. And it was at that moment, I feel like Charlo recognized that he was, he was the, like he was starting to break Castaño. Now that's a hard thing to recognize when the guy is still coming forward and throwing punches. Right. Um, And I don't think any other person necessarily would have recognized that. But what I mean by he broke him is, he gave him a reason to not recklessly come forward at him anymore. He broke the game plan. <laughs> right. Um, because at that point, pretty much from round seven until what, what eventually would become the end of this fight, that we were starting to get less phone booth moments and more just boxing moments from Jamel. Um, mm-hmm. Jamel was really starting to stay at distance, really starting to walk Castaño in the punches. They would still have those moments where they were getting their exchanges, but Jamel was starting to get the better of those as well. Yeah. So it was the fight was starting to swing into um, his favor and, you know, going through 
pretty much, like I said, eight and nine, he was boxing. It was a little more of that phone booth action, but then in round 10, about halfway through, uh, Jamel had his back on the ropes. Castaño was trying to push him back. They were exchanging. Boop, boop, boop. Right in the left. And it looked like at first, you you saw in Castaño's legs he that he was not eating those two shots. That right, right left combination that he took. Mm-hmm. And typically what you see a lot of fighters do is they'll grab somebody or whatever, but he had his hands up because he was, you know what I'm saying? He was trying to shell up for the return fire. And it was just the return fire came around his gloves. It wasn't in front of him. It came around the sides and his hands were still up. And, you know, when Jamal hit him, Jamel, I'm sorry, Bing Bing hit him with that right left. He kind of fell into Jamel. And when Jamel moved back, he just hit the floor. Oh, shit. Hit the ground. Yeah, his legs were not under him. The only thing that was keeping him up was the fact he was leaning on Jamel. And um, when Jamel pulled out of there, Brian Castango hit the ground, and he didn't get back up. Um, He was able to get the stoppage in that 10th round. And, you know, fortunately for him, man, he, you know, Charlo was able to walk out of there, the, the undisputed light middleweight champion of the world, man. Um, he picked up his last belt. So he is now the WBA, WBC, IBF, WBO, and ring uh, light middleweight champion. Mm. And the ring belt, I, I will point this out, and I always like to bring this up. It's just a little boxing nerd information that I always like to bring up. Um, that, that ring belt was on the line because... In their weight class, Jamal Charlo, Jamel Charlo, I'm so sorry, and Brian Castaño were ranked one and two in the division. Mm. So that's why the ring belt was on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they just another fun thing to throw out there when they pulled up the scorecards after he uh, after he got after he finally was able to finish. Brian Castaño. And I also want to point out, he dropped him with a right hand in that round earlier, but that second right left that got him out of there, that's what stopped it. Because the first one to me kind of appeared like a flash because his aggressiveness never really went down. Like he didn't ever have that recovery moment. And he could have just been, you know, trying to fake the funk. But I mean, the fact that he was actually pushing Jamal back after getting knocked down kind of, to me, made me feel like the knockdown wasn't as solid as the second one was. Right, because we all, you know, we're aware, like you know, things like flash knockdowns and stuff like that happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. And another thing, just to add, is he was also down on the scorecards at the time of the stoppage as well. Mm -hmm. So you know, like I said, after round seven, he was just boxing his face off. So it it just kind of turned into something where he was going to need to to pull a rabbit out his hat or pull a KO out of his glove if he was going to get Jamal out of there. Jamel, Jesus. I mean, look, you can't blame me. There's literally a one-letter difference. I, in it. Yeah, it's, and they it's twins, all good, brother. So, yeah. Whatever. Uh, but at any rate, I thought it was a great fight. It was, man, it was super exciting for, like, as long as it lasted, which, you know, lasted 10 rounds. They delivered. They delivered for that to have been, a, you know, an undisputed title fight and for a fight that had as much stakes as it had. They mm-hmm. delivered. So I was very happy with that fight. Um, you know, obviously, speedy recovery to Brian Castaño and congratulations to Jamel Charlo uh, making history and just doing something else. Great, man. You know, yeah. I think that's, that's a great thing. So I was happy for him. Yeah. Um, going from that, I'm going to jump over into the UFC. Get it. Uh, the 
card. There's only so here's here's a, a funny thing, right? So I actually cut this fight on about midway through the prelims. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just glaze over those because there was some there's some stuff worth talking about that happened in those prelims. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna glaze over those, but the also the other reason is I watched the last three fights of the prelims and then completely missed the first fight of the main card. That's fair. <laughs> And saw all the rest it happens, of the brother. It so, happens. Unfortunately, I will not be covering Jake Hadley versus Alan Nascimento. Mm-hmm. And I hope I said his right his name correct. Is it uh, Nascimento? Nascimento. Nascimento. Yes. Hold on. Nascimento. Let me just double check because that sounds uh, Hispanic. Uh, let's just it's N A S C I M E N T O. Nascimento. Nascimento. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing. Don't yeah, come but out hey, <laughs> don't come right. out, bro. Yeah, please, because you won that fight, dude. I don't want no smoke. Oh, yeah, let's, um, <laughs> I don't care that you're a flyweight. I don't want no problems. I don't need to be getting hit by nobody. I can't see the punches. Anyway, <laughs> um, going into the prelims for this UFC fight night, Blahovich uh, versus Rockets or Blahovitz mm-hmm. versus Rockets, I should say. Um, I just want to jump in. And just kind of get, like I said, just a little light glaze over these prelim fights. Um, the three that I got a chance to catch, I call Angela Hill versus Honderoba. Uh, Honderoba. Oof, boy. Because it's one of those Brazil. Brazilian names. You Brazil. know, Jays are, yeah, Jays I, and, it's, it's a wild card sometimes. I feel you, brother. Yeah, J's and H's and R's are H's, all that. Uh, yeah. We had Alan Patrick versus Michael Johnson. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, Vivian, another another Brazilian, uh, Ahujo versus Andrea Lee. Now, starting with the Angela Hill bout, um, unfortunately, she went home with an L. You know um, not, yeah, she might be done, bro. That was like a fourth one. Yeah. Um, but she put up a great fight. I didn't think that she did bad. Um, I thought like her punch production and stuff was good. She wasn't able to throw the amount of strikes she wanted to because of the takedowns. But what I will say is she wasn't being dominated in the takedowns. She just was, she was just being nullified Mm. because other than the fact that she did have to fight off a handful of submissions, the strike numbers don't tell the full story because I felt as though Angela Hill dominated the striking there. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, that's almost always, right, like, the story when it comes to Angela Hill. They're like, she'll dominate that strike. And there's not a lot of people that can strike with Angela Hill. So. Right. Um, but unfortunately, she lost a decision. Uh, I felt like she did good, but I definitely could see how she lost. You know, she was taken down three times. And there was a decent amount of control time as well. And then having to fight off submissions. She was in a situation where she was forced to be defensive longer than she was able to be offensive. And that right. was, in my opinion, why she lost. Right. Um, the next fight we had Michael Johnson against Alan Patrick. And um, this was actually a really exciting fight, to be honest, which, you know, Michael Johnson is typically, at least for me, typically is a pretty good guy to show up for a fight. Right. Um, you know, it's going to go one way or the other, which is, you know, all fights. But mm-hmm. I think he's a guy, he's exciting, you know, whether he's on a prelim or or he or wherever he's at. I think he's a, a relatively exciting fighter. Um, he was able to get a knockout actually last night. Crazy knockout. You know, one thing that you you have to 
you have to give Michael Johnson his credit for, and he's credited for this a lot, is his hand speed. And boy, oh boy, was that hand speed on display uh, when he got a chance to fight against Alan Patrick. Unfortunately, I will say, though, I think Alan Patrick might be done because this was his uh, fourth loss in a row. Shit, it looks like it could have been, uh, that could have been the outcome for Michael Johnson because apparently, like, he's won, aside from yesterday, right? He's mm. He had won, like, uh, you know yeah, he's coming like, off of, he, he, was, he had lost four in a row. He's lost four in a row, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got in a lot of different facets as well. But I, yeah. again, you know, this is, you got to also consider this a dude that was jumping weight classes and, right. you know, just fighting different people. He's fought a who's who. That's an understatement. Like, we do got to be yeah. real on that. <laughs> yeah. This is like, the, the, you know what, listeners, y'all finna take this ride with me real quick. Yeah, I ain't going <laughs> to go through all of them, but I'm just going to throw some names that's on his resume. Mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson, who mm-hmm. he beat. Danny Castillo, Miles Jewelry, Joe Lozon, Gleason Tebow, Melvin Gallard. Now I'm, now I'm showing his age. Gaethje. Edson Barbosa, Gaethje, Brunil Dariush, Nate Diaz, Dustin Poirier, Khabib Nurmagomedov, I mean, Aaron Elkins, Andre Feely. Like, where I don't, I can't. Damn near everyone in the to, division. Yeah. Man, if you came in the UFC at any point after 2010 and you fought lightweight or featherweight, you might have fought Michael Johnson. <laughs> um. But yeah, man, Michael Johnson was able to put Alan Patrick away with a KO in the second round. Man, I mean, my man's just walked right into it, walked him right into that too. Hmm. You know, I mean, and he kind of caught him with, with that, that one-two combination a handful of times in the first round, got him mm-hmm. to walk right into the punches. Um, and Michael Johnson secured him a little takedown. So, you know, that was good. Yeah, hurt. yeah. Yeah, and he was able to fight off, uh, fight off the 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 takedowns from Alan Patrick wasn't taken down a single time. He, you know, he thwarted five different attempts, but man, he got him out of there. And uh, funny enough, not only was this a win for him, it was a KO win. It's his first KO win since 2016. And the last person he KO'd in 2016 was Dustin Poirier. So and I thought that was like Yo. a little funny thing that, that that was brought to the forefront also yeah. by Michael Chandler when he was going back and forth with Dustin Poirier. But that's neither here nor there. Um, third <laughs> round in the, the final main event, no, I'm saying final main event, the main event, final fight of the prelims, mm-hmm. um, we had Andrea Lee versus uh, Ahujo. I'm just going to say Ahujo. I I might, I'm I, butchering her name. But. I think you can, you can say Araujo. I but think. the R is the H. But I feel like that's a wild card too. Sometimes the R is an H, and sometimes it's not. Like I'm gonna say at, a how ho. Look at uh, <laughs> look at Michelle Pajeda. One of the R's is an H, and the other one is an R. So it's like you know what I mean. Like I don't. The second R is an R. At I think some the point, first R is an H. At some we point, gotta we gotta get a Brazilian. Like, we gotta yeah, get some we just gotta learn to Portuguese. help us out. Yeah, I need somebody that speaks Portuguese to help your boy out because these names, they're killing me, but I want to get them right. Yeah, out of respect. <laughs> just out of respect. I just always want to get people's names right, so help us out. Mm-hmm. Um, this fight uh, ended up going to Ahujo, and it was a decision win. The run, One of the things that was important, though, I felt like this fight, uh, along with a handful of other ones, was a full-fledged like MMA contest. All and aspects covered. 
all aspects covered. There was gotcha. some striking, there was some groundwork, there was some mission attempts, mm-hmm. you know, there was some some standing grappling, you know, there was some uh there was some clinch work. It was, you know, it gave you a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um ultimately Ahudo was able to walk away with the win. Um the only other thing that uh, I won't necessarily say is significant, but it was a newsworthy thing was Andrea Lee's uh, coach is currently in some hot water for a comment Ooh, he made in the in the I, corner. I caught some of that. Ugh. Yeah, um, because Andrew Lee did get poked in the eye uh, at one point. She got poked in the eye in like a grappling exchange, and I mean, you know I don't game. Yeah. I don't think it was egregious. Right. Um, personally, at least that's not how it looked. But I will also say in the same breath. It ain't supposed to look like it was done on purpose, you know. If somebody <laughs> tries to hey. cheat, it's supposed to look like an accident. Right. I don't think that's what she did. Right. I'm just putting that out there. Right. That's fair. Funny. Um, fair. Man, ultimately, man, Andrea Lee. I thought she put up a good fight, but I thought she was overall she was just a, a tad bit outmatched. But you know, her corner making the comment, calling that girl a, a dirty Brazilian. You know, regardless of the fact that she was calling her dirty in reference to her fighting style and not in terms of her culture or her race this is just no, uh, really don't, no place don't try to defend it yeah yeah no no no, pro- no, no. Not, i know i know i know i know i'm just saying it's, it, i agree with you it's not professional yeah it's no place for it i don't care what the reference was i don't care you know um how it was intended yeah it still was wrong it, especially in my opinion i, I thought it was wrong Apparently they they've been they took a page out of the Covington book of yeah I don't know public relations or some shit I don't know yeah some goofy shit like that so ultimately that was that like I said I missed the Jake Hadley uh, fight but uh, that fight went to decision and that was that went to Alan Nascimento now going to our next fight. We had Frank Camacho versus uh, Manuel Torres. Now, Mm -hmm. Frank Camacho is a guy who had been to UFC for a little while, um, has some ups and downs, but he was coming into this fight. uh, It's coming into this fight, kind of coming on a lost streak. Uh, Yeah. (sighs) And that streak continued after he ran into Manuel Torres. This fight ended in the first round. Um, this is now Frank Camacho's third loss in a row, third stoppage loss in a row, third first round stoppage in a row, second TKO in a row in the first round. So and, it would seem that the writing is on the wall. Oh, the writing's definitely on the wall because in the last fight where he was TKO'd, he missed weight. He missed weight by like three pounds. And then he went out there and he got TKO'd by the guy that he fought. Um, and that also was two years ago. Right. You know, just to put that out there. That right. Was, that was a while ago as well. Right, so right. this isn't a guy who, you know, the, you know, I mean, he typically, from what I looked at when I looked into his background, you know, he fought, he was fighting at like a clip of like a few times a year, like twice mm-hmm. a year. And then like he had one period of his career it was like this big ass gap from like 2019 to 2013 before right. he fought again. Um, at any rate, he was fighting uh, Manuel Torres. And this was Torres's, UFC debut um, after winning um, winning a contract on the Contender Series. Uh, this was his first fight. So it was good on him. He was able to, man, he put Frank Camacho out. This wasn't like a, like a, they, it was a TKO punches, but Frank was done, man. They, right. you know, they had a, a decent amount of exchanges going. 
in the beginning, but the speed difference from what Manuel Torres was very apparent early. And not only was he faster, the punches were just snappier. You know what I'm saying? There was a lot more bite on those shots. Right. And, um, you know, he just caught Frank with a, a counter two, three, uh, and he's, you know, he kind of switches stances. So he hit him with straight left hand and a right hook. And man, when that right hook connected with those four ounce gloves, that was all she wrote. So Manuel Torres was able to walk away with it. Manuel Torres must have had somewhere to be. Maybe he had an after party or something <laughs> first round. Maybe he just really wanted to see the next fight, man. And he didn't want to have to worry about it because, boy, he got him out of there. That was a really, really, you know, it was a, it was a great stoppage. It was pretty impressive. Um, and to get him out of there within the first three minutes of that first round or that five-minute round was great. So, um, you know, speedy recovery to Frank Camacho. Congratulations to Mayo Torres. Got performance of the night, too. So, you know, that party was something else. On oh, yeah. It up. Yeah. Again, yeah. And good for him, man. You got, you know, you got a performance of the night in your debut. You know, your UFC debut. That's a big deal. Uh, some people don't get that. Some people don't get a lot of shit. You yeah, know some people so, don't get like main card for their UFC debut. So let's just put that out there, too. That's uh, right, man. Shout out. That was good on him for, for picking that up. Um, right after that, we had another fight that, again, like I mentioned with the, the previous female fight, this gave you everything. We had Caitlin Chukagan versus Amanda Ribas. Now, there's a little background on this, right? And the little bit of background is uh, Amanda Ribas was not initially scheduled to fight Caitlin Chukagan. Initially, Amanda was going to fight um, the karate hottie, Michelle Waterson. Oh, that's and Michelle right. Waterson got, yeah, they were scheduled to fight, but Michelle Waterson got injured. Um, happens, so that's the game. Yeah, it happens. She just got injured in training. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was given an opportunity to uh, to step up and go fight Chukagan, who, you know, Chukagan was, you know, she was coming into the fight looking for a fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, you know, she was... Almost, you know, it was former title challenger and stuff like that. I, I honestly, I think all of them, I think everybody at flyweight is crazy, but I'll, I'll tell you about that at a, at a later date. Not right now. <laughs> uh, but she, you know, she was coming off a win, coming into this fight, coming off a, a nice little, nice little three fight, three fight skid, not skid, but a little three fight streak. Uh, and she was winning because she took one loss to uh, Jessica Andrade back in 2020 in you know, it's been nothing but wins for Caitlin since then. You know, Caitlin Chukagan is one of those people. She's currently ranked in at the time of this recording and, you know, at the time of that fight, she was ranked number one right? Um, in the division for I mean, a reason. Next level you know, up is uh, Bullet, so. Yeah, right. and I mean, and she's already lost to her, but it seems like nobody can beat Caitlin Chukagan. You know what I'm saying? So she's... And very actively keeping people off of that belt. Right, right. <laughs> Just keeping that opportunity, keeping that title opportunity to herself. Um, but yeah, man, she, Amanda Rebos was able to, to come in and grab an opportunity to fight the number one person in the division and, you know, hopefully even get a chance to jump the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wasn't able to do that last night, but she wasn't able to do that not in really any real way that it seemed like she isn't ready. I felt like based on her performance, to me, she came across like she's definitely ready for that level of competition. I think number one was just a big jump. 
Um, but I do think, based off what I saw, I could see Amanda Rebos fighting really anybody else in the UFC at flyweight. Like she, I think she could fight anybody in the top ten. Hell, I think she really could fight anybody in that top five if she, you know, if she so desired. And I think she really got a chance to showcase that yesterday. Yeah. Uh, again, going back to the same thing I said about the previous female fight, every aspect. Respect. Of mm-hmm. MMA was on display. Mm-hmm. Also, I just want to jump back. I think she could take any girl whose name is not just Gondraj. I don't believe anybody should fight that woman. Um, that's just Gondraj. Just Gondraj is a problem. Different but, breed. Yeah. yeah, different breed, man. Like you got to remember, she used to fight bantamweight. Right. Like she used to fight at thirty-five, and right. I, I remember her saying, "I watched this interview. I remember her saying, I'm used to picking up those girls.' She was like, so when I came to strawweight." She was like, it felt like all those girls felt light as a feather. That's a problem for yeah, them. That's scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at any rate, they ended up getting fight of the night. Um, and I think they deserved it, dude. Yeah. It was stand-up. We got clinch strikes. We got ground game, submission attempts. Uh, we got ground and pound. We just got work. These women worked. Yeah. The entire time Amanda Rebos was trying to push forward, was trying to press the issue. Caitlin was, you know, letting her hands go like she usually does. She had really, really, really good uh, defense on mm-hmm. those, uh, on some of those takedowns. You know, she was able to stop about half of it. You know, Amanda was three for, she was three for six on uh, takedowns. Mm-hmm. And she had a decent amount of control time. But what I felt the difference was in their fight as far as the control time was, was that she was being actively nullified by Caitlyn. Mm. So it wasn't so much as that she had, she was on top of her, but everything she tried to do, she was blocking it. And if mm-hmm. it wasn't for the fact Caitlyn was on the ground, she wasn't, I won't say that she wasn't in danger, because obviously she was, she, you know, she was in a fight laying on her back. Right. But it was one of those things where she wasn't taking damage and Amanda just couldn't find a way to be effective um, against her when she had her on her back. Her defense okay. was just that good. Right, right, right. Um, so a lot of, most of what it was when she would get Caitlyn down was Caitlyn working to get back to her feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and while, again, while trying to thwart any attempts being made at her while she was trying to get back up. Right. Um, but dude, I mean, a hell of a scrap. These girls were trading shots, trading heavy punches too. I mean, really just... You know, letting it all rip. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was a calculated risk on both ends because they both stood, uh, they both stood like, you know, a pretty good chance yeah. of taking the other one out. And they both had a lot to lose and a lot to gain. Amanda had less to lose than Caitlin did for sure. Right, right, right. Um, you know, because just to put this out there, last time Caitlin took a, a chance, she lost. Mm. You know, um, and what I mean by that is, you know, when she let Jessica Andrade, she fought Jessica Andrade and Jessica's first fight in that weight class. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, but I also respect her for that because, you know, you guys should have get off the pot, man. Yeah. You know, so and I like Caitlin Chukagan personally. Actually, I'm a fan of both of these women. Um, I think they both are really game. They both come to fight. Mm-hmm. And. It, it, like I said, man, it's hard to even 
qualify or quantify how many highlights and shit that they I felt like they had. I felt like this fight was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended in a split decision as well. You know, there was one one of the judges ended up giving it to Amanda. Um, and I mean, the difference was literally one point. This was that 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 28-29 type split decision shit. Like, gotcha. that's what happened. Yeah. Like, that was the scorecards going across the board. Um, I thought I thought Amanda, I thought the difference was experience. I thought yeah, Amanda did I good. I thought Caitlin did better. And it was just because Caitlin has more experience. She's had more cage time. You know, she's just had more time to work mm-hmm. at it. Um, and, you know, Amanda's a girl that's going to be around. So she's still really, really young. You know, she's still got time. You know, Amanda ain't nothing but 28 little years old. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And, you know, Caitlin is 33, but she has, you know, again, she's been around. That's really what it comes down to. She's been around multiple weight classes. You know, she's, she's been in the game for a minute. This was a 22nd fight. Yeah. You know, her 22nd pro fight, not counting all the, you know, the hours that she's had to put in and all that other stuff, you know, just like any other fighter. Right. And then she's also had to go through different weight classes because when she came into the UFC, her weight class was not available. Mm. So when Caitlin got there, there was no flyweight. She came from promotions that had flyweight. There was yeah. no flyweight when she got there. So she right. instantly had to be fight 10 pounds heavier than what she's, used you know, to. typically yeah. used to. Yeah. And I thought she did pretty good considering. I mean, look, you look at her, her um, you look at her not roster. Jesus, what am I? Resume. I do not know why I could not think of the word resume. Forgive me, y'all. You're good, uh, brother. You're good. You're good. You look at her resume, man. She's got some names on there, too. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a win or a loss, and it's mostly wins. You know, literally the 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 only two really, I would call, significant losses that she took in her career was her title attempt against Shevchenko, and nobody's going to blame you for losing to Valentina. Yeah. And her loss to Jessica Andrade. And mm-hmm. I mean, on a petty level, she got TKO by Valentina. And then she went out there and fought Valentina's little sister and beat her up right after that. That was the <laughs> next fight she had. I thought yeah. that was crazy. But yeah, hey, you know, that's just me. But I thought it was a I thought it was a fantastic fight. It was definitely like it was easily my favorite fight on the whole card. So yeah. I was I was glad when they ended up getting a fight of the night. I thought it was my favorite fight all yeah. the way through. It, even though it went to decision, it was never a moment of that fight that wasn't like exciting. Like mm-hmm. they worked. Um, so congratulations to Caitlin Chukagan and you know, look forward to seeing Amanda Rebos coming back around. Mm-hmm. Now we had Davy Grant versus Luis Smoker. Mm-hmm. This fight was at Bantamweight. This was another crazy fight. I was actually surprised that this fight didn't win anything uh, for the night, but that was at the time. Uh, right. you know, I, I definitely thought somebody should have got something. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we get those situations where, like, Dana White will be like, oh, I took care of him type shit. Yeah, so, that's true. You know, that could very well ended up, that could have very well ended up being, you know, what the case was. But, excuse me, at any rate, we got... Davy Grant versus Luis Smoker. Davy Grant, 36. Uh, Luis Smoker is 30. You know, the Hawaiian guy, Luis Smoker, I'm referring to. Fighting Davy Grant, who's from uh from England. And man, oh man, oh man. Davy Grant came to fight, man. Davy Grant was coming off of two lost skid. Um, one was a unanimous decision loss to Marlon Vera. 
And then he had a split decision loss to Adrian Yanez. And Luis Smolka is, he was coming off one loss after being KO'd by Vince Morales. Um, he, he Luis Smolka is an interesting case because he's been in the UFC before. He made it to the UFC, was put out of the UFC, and then was brought back. And even the context that he was brought back in um, initially was not a re-signing. His, he was brought back as a last-minute opponent for, um, for the, the, his first fight back. The, he filled in a spot uh, in Beijing okay. and he, for one of the fights on the Beijing card, and he was able to fill a spot there, and that got him back in the game. Um, but I will say... He's been kind of he's been pretty much 50-50 since he's gotten back in the UFC. And last night, unfortunately, he was uh he was KO'd by Davy Grant in the third round. But before we get to that, before we get to our dessert, let's start with that appetizer. <laughs> and we got two guys, you know, you got Louis Smokers, five foot nine, you had Davy Grant, five eight, not a huge difference in height, like at all. And but even though it's it's weird because if you see Louis Smoker, he looks so much taller than five nine, but he's just like a guy with really long limbs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He just he really does not appear to be like he's that short. Right. But he is. Um, I mean shit, what am I talking about? They ban him weights. So yeah. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so they got into it and right away, first round, Davy Grant is cracking Louis Smoker. Set the tone. He's setting the tone. You know, he's not throwing super big shots. He's not right. winding anything up. But he's everything, basically saying, put some respect on my hands. Man, everything he landed made a noise. Shit, dude. Everything. And it seemed like Luis, it seemed like he just came out too fast. And to be honest with you, Luis Smoker, at least for me, watching the fight, looked flat. Mm. He just looked flat. And that first round looked like he was just like, like he was kind of trying to get the ball rolling and just... Couldn't really get to it. And Davy, Davy was not gonna get him a chance to get comfortable. Davy Grant was not <laughs> don't let him reach his no final time. form. Right. Man, yeah. Not at all. He was right. his hands go. Uh from round one. When they said, when they said go, Davy Grant heard him. Um, he got out there, man. He was letting his hands go, throwing a lot of combinations. He just looked good. Everything was tight, everything was compact, punches was snappy. You know, he, he he made like he took like one takedown attempt in like the first round, but it was kind of like a half-ass attempt, really. I, I don't really feel like he was going <laughs> for it like that for real. That's fair. Um, but that was just like in that first round, but he set the tone early. Second round, Luis Smoker was a lot more aggressive. You know, I, maybe he just needed to get hit a few times to wake up. I know people like that. So, you know, that I think that shit is crazy, but hey, it is what it is. Sometimes, you know, you need something to get that adrenaline going. So Louis Smoker was kind of starting to push Davy Grant back a little bit in that uh in that second round. He even was able to bust his nose up a little bit. Just, just a little bloody nose, nothing crazy. Right. But he was, it still seemed like Louis Smoker was taking the worst of it. It wasn't like he wasn't showing a lot of crazy damage on his face or anything, but he was the one getting like stopped in his tracks with a kick or getting his head snapped back. You know, and I mean, Davy Grant was throwing everything. He was throwing a kitchen sink at this dude. Kick him, like punch him. If you're a judge and you're seeing somebody, you know, getting their head snapped back, things aren't looking so good for your favor or whatever. Exactly. Um, he's getting his head snapped back. He's getting kind of just kind of was just getting bullied around the cage with strikes, but he was still pressing. Yeah. That's the thing. We smoke us like 
I won't say reckless. Reckless would be that would be a, a, a super simplified way of talking about his fighting style. He's just a guy that presses forward, moves his head, moves his hands. Um, but he's just there to get in your face. Right. And Davy Grant had something to give him. Uh, you know, when he was doing that. So second round, I thought Luis was more aggressive, but I still felt like Davey Graham was getting the better of him. Right. Um, for most of that. And he had been really, 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 he was kind of picking up the production of those leg kicks that, like I said, he was hitting them everywhere. But that second round, he was really starting to chop that leg. He was starting to chop the right leg. He was hitting that back right leg a lot. Um, you know, kind of catching Louis Smoker when he would, you know, just in moments where he was flat or moments where he was, you know, where it was like a little bit of a lull in the action. Yeah, he throw a kick. And um, <laughs> you really were kind of starting to see that damage. I mean, he was keeping that leg kick pretty consistent. It yeah. seemed like Davy Jones was like, I'm just going to hit him every Davy Grant? You just call him Davy Jones? <laughs> yeah, shit. Damn, yeah, Davy Jones locker. <laughs> yeah, but Davy Grant was like, he... To me, it came across like he was like, I'm going to hit him everywhere and see where he doesn't like it. Mm. And then I'll go from there. Capitalize. Yeah. Yeah, man. And um, in that third round, like early in the third round, Davey Grant threw a real heavy kick at Luis Smoker's right leg. And that leg was finished. Oh. And Luis tried to dive, tried to dive on him for like, you know, a desperation takedown just right. to buy some time with that leg. Davey gets the hips back, flattens Luis out. Damn near gave this motherfucker a pedigree. Uh, uh, but yeah, he flattened him out. And when Luis Smoker tried to roll onto his back, he knocked his ass out. Dude. He like ground and pound, two punches, hit him perfectly uh, on the chin, put him to sleep. Right. Um, and shout out Davy Grant too, because he knew when he was done. He after he caught him with that second one, you kind of saw Luis Luis's eyes like roll up. Like mm-hmm. he was asleep with his eyes open, man. Mm-hmm. He was done. On the ground, man. Davy Jones was able to stop him. God damn it, I did it again. Davy <laughs> Grant. <laughs> Davy Grant was able to stop him. Uh, right. That third round. Right. About, uh, roughly around like a minute into that third round. Mm-hmm. Um, speedy recovery, Louis Smoker. Congrats for Davy Grant. You know, he lived to fight another day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, and I thought it was a good fight, man. I was super entertained by it. Um, then we went up to... Uh, the first of our two light heavyweight bouts that we had, we had uh, Ryan Span versus Eon Cute Laba, mm-hmm. and this was a fight at two hundred five. Now you got Ryan Span on one side, who's a guy that if you if you've heard his name or you've seen him fight, like you're familiar with him. He's a guy that's been around at two hundred five. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I won't say he's been there forever, but he's a familiar enough face. He shows up on enough shows. This dude fights. Right. You know, at least as far as I see it, he does. Um, this was a guy who actually came off the contender series. He was on there twice. Um, he lost the first time he was on the contender series. He actually got knocked out, mm. believe it or not. And then he came back later on, jumped on the contender series again, and he got a guillotine choke uh, submission in the first round, earned himself a contract. And then he got into the UFC in 2018. And he hasn't looked back since. You know, he's put up some good wins. You know, he has a win over uh, one of the Noguera brothers, mm-hmm. Devin Clark, Sam Alvey. Uh, he did, unfortunately, catch a loss to Johnny Walker, but he also has a win over Misha Serkinov, yeah. which is a pretty significant one. It's TKO win as well that he got in the first round. Also yeah. got performance of the night for that win as well. Um, but he And then he has a loss. Um, to Anthony Smith. These three fights that I just mentioned are all in the first round. 
Right. It seems like the running theme, and even when you look through, uh, if you ever just get a chance, just like look at Ryan Spann's resume, look at all you know his fight history and stuff. This dude don't fight no long time. Yeah. Most of his fights, whether it's good or bad, are over in the first round. Right. It, he don't have a lot of distance fights. Looking at his UFC history, there are only two fights, no, three fights in this list that go over in one round. Yeah. Uh, let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. And um, on the other side, on the other side, you got Eon Q. Oh, wait, before you get oh, to wait. Eon, I think it's important that you mentioned that he got that guillotine uh early on in his career what, you said it was the second time around on the contender series when he came back around on the contender series he got the guillotine choke in the first round he got stopped like in the first round when he went, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, yeah. he got stopped the right first there. time he went to contender series and then he stopped somebody in the contender series and yes it is foreshadowing mm-hmm. um and that it's somewhat foreshadowing because i would actually challenge you tj Look in his uh, look at his resume and look at how he's won a lot of fights. Right, <laughs> that yeah. guillotine choke is his move. Man. Yeah, yeah. If he was a wrestler, that'd be his finisher. <laughs> right. Damn guillotine, because he be getting done with that joint. But mm-hmm. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. So on top of that, we had Eon Kulaba, and Eon Kulaba, known as the Hulk. Uh, like you know, he's also infamous for painting his whole body green. I mean, goes up to those. Fair Oof. enough. <laughs> yeah, he paints his entire body green when he shows up to to weigh-ins, to the ceremonial weigh-ins, and yells in people's faces. So, hey, uh, good on him, man. Um, yeah, but whatever works he's a dude. Works. Yeah, whatever works for you. He's a guy who's had a real mixed bag of uh, success in the UFC. And I mean that just in terms of wins, losses, but also just his, um, his health history. You know, he's missed out on fights because of injuries. He's missed out on fights, you know, just because of like the lockdown and stuff at a certain point. He's had a lot of different right. things that have kind of um, affected that. And like I said, he's been real, real up and down, especially these last few years. Mm-hmm. And um, last night he got an opportunity to fight against Ryan Spann. They were the co-main event. And I'm going to tell you something, man, out the gate, Ryan Spann was sharp. He was mm-hmm. real sharp. It was like if you blinked, you might have missed it. Punches were just snappy, snappy, nice little snap right at the end of all of his shots. Yeah. Um, everything he threw, he was throwing with intention, but not, it wasn't loaded. It was just, you better be happy that that shot didn't land. Oh, yeah. You need to be thankful that he didn't crack you that time. Right. And, um, yeah, man, you know, Eon is known as a guy that has heavy hands as well. And Ryan Spann's a dude who really is just looking to just find his footing and just make something happen. Right. You know, this is a dude who has already held a a, a world title before, albeit in two other promotions, albeit in another promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless of that, you know what I'm saying? I think the, the experience is experience. You know, he's been a world champion before. Right. And I think he's really coming to his own now as a, a light heavyweight since he's been able to sit at light heavyweight for some time because he's he spent some time as a middleweight before as well. But you can really tell if you saw him like he completely filled out, you know, um, he's definitely a 205 or now unlike unquestionably. Um, so, like I said, they were it seemed like Eon was trying to fill ryan out and ryan didn't seem too interested in braille he didn't care about filling out anything he didn't oh, want to know what it did felt you, like sorry nothing. did you just just say it wasn't too interested in braille 
Yeah, he didn't care nothing about what it felt like. He <sighs> he wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was letting his hands go, man. He's countering, right. countering Eon, and um, eventually he was able to drop him. He mm-hmm. caught him on a nice little right hand, put him down, and he jumped on him right away. Mm-hmm. And um, he got that guillotine. Eon tried to fight it a little bit. They rolled, but he held on to it, and he was able to tap him out. And first round, Ryan Spann had somewhere to be. Maybe he had to FaceTime one of his kids or something, tell him good night. <laughs> that must have been what it was because he got that choke, and he got up out of there. He even kept his post-fight, like, quick. Oh, shit. Like, no, like, I'm not even joking, like, yeah, uh, what was my man's name that was there? Uh, Michael Bisping. Uh-huh. Bisping went to interview him like after the fight, and he was just like, Hey, I'm just gonna keep it short, X, Y, and Z, and then walked off. <laughs> he didn't even he didn't let Michael Bisping ask him no questions. No, <laughs> Say what he had to say, so got Mar- up out of there. Marshawn Lynch energy, <laughs> yeah, basically, like damn near, fine. like he just kept it <laughs> short, sweet, and to the point. He got up out the jam, got <laughs> yeah. right out that cage, and kept it moving. So, <laughs> I respect that. It's what it yeah, is, I do man. too. And I mean, he wasn't disrespectful to his opponent, or nothing. He just was like, you know, I really feel like he said he feels like when he realized what happened to him in his last fight when he lost, he said, I got in my own way. He said, and this time I got out of my way. He said, I feel like when I'm not in my own way, I could be the, I'm the best 205er in the world. And every mm-hmm. fighter should feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so good on him. Cause I'm gonna tell you something, man, he looked great. Mm-hmm. He looked fantastic. He looked like he was in shape, you know, cause you know, like, you know, you know, sometimes you see guys, you know, they showed up, they made weight and stuff. They making weight and being in shape are not the same thing. They are right. definitely not the same thing. Right. Yeah. He looked great, man. He looked fantastic. And um, congratulations to him. You know, uh, maybe we'll see Yon Laba again. Maybe we won't. But speedy recovery to him as well. Even though he didn't go to sleep, still, you take damage in fights. Yeah. Speedy recovery and congratulations to Ryan Spann. And then we had our main event. We had Jan Blahowitz, our former 205 champion, going against Alexander Rakic. Mm-hmm. Um and this was a pretty entertaining fight, man. I mean, this fight didn't necessarily give us everything. We had, you know, we still had, we we got some of everything, but it was mostly striking. We mm-hmm. got pr- predominantly what we got from these two guys was striking. So on one end, you got Alexander Rakic, um, 30 years old, you know, Austrian guy. And then you had Jan Blachowicz, legendary Polish power, 39 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, former light heavyweight champion. And, you know, he was really just looking to get back into the win column after taking that loss back in October. And Alexander Rakic was looking to knock off the former world champion to, yeah. you know, punch yeah. his ticket to get a title shot. And, I mean, this is a guy that got some – he has some significant names on his resume. And I, I think if he would have been able to – if he would have been able to close out a win last night, definitely could have made a good case for himself to get a – a title shot considering he's already beat Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos. Right. Um, and those were like the last two title challengers, basically like at yeah. 205. So yeah. if he would have beat the former champion last night, that would have been crazy. And for Jan, um, he had a hard time, man. He had a hard time. Alexander Rockets was, was on him. And the same thing that we kind of see that happens to Jan a lot is he was at a speed disadvantage. You know, he's, Jan is almost never the faster fighter. Like 90% of the time, he is not the faster a fighter. 
Um, and that was the case last night against Rockage. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing that he has over most people is power. You know, he can really hurt a guy and really put his hands on somebody. And um, I felt like his power, his power saved him last night. Mm. And what I mean by that is uh, it, not in the sense of he knocked this guy out, he didn't TKO him or anything. But when Rockets was starting to really, every time Rockets would kind of start getting, like he was getting in rhythm, mm-hmm. he would have to reset after Jan hit him. Mm. That he would, Jan was able mm-hmm. to stop his, his rhythm. He was able to break his rhythm up with his punches because I think he's just that strong. And it wasn't, he wasn't wearing a lot of it on his face. Rockets, I felt, was well on his way to winning uh, okay. this fight. Round one, I thought he just completely outclassed Jan Blahovic. Um, I thought Jan had moments. I thought Jan did pretty good. Jan was still letting his hands go, you know, in, in whatever ways he could. Because the Jan's path to victory, um, which a lot of people don't give him credit for, he's actually a really, really good counter striker. Mm. He's a good counter striker and he has good timing. And timing beats speed every single time. That's true. That's the way you beat speed. You beat speed with timing. You just got to time it. That's it. And that's easier said than done, but that is what you do. Um, essentially, what happens here is Rockets was trying to let his hands go. He, you know, gets a, get a little combo off. And one thing Jan was doing a lot was he was chopping those legs. He was throwing those leg kicks. And, you know, you could kind of could see the leg was swelling really by like the second round. Yeah. Um, just from the damage he was taking. And we're not talking about a lot of leg kicks coming from Jan. Jan wasn't, not, you know, he wasn't leg kick, man. That wasn't who he became last night. He just, okay. the strikes he was able to get off were were hurting, you know. Um, and he didn't throw a ton of punches. He didn't throw a ton of strikes in general. Mm-hmm. However, what he was throwing was significant enough, you know. Um, yeah. I thought it was important. I thought it, I think it's important to note that he had the higher percentages in terms of percentages landed um, at the conclusion of the fight. He didn't throw more, but his percentage landed was a lot higher. Right. um, On both significant strikes and just his total strikes, period. Um, Rockets was just throwing everything, man. He was getting in and out. He was really trying to use his feet. And Jan, like I said, he would chop that leg whenever he got a chance. And then there was like a weird shot that Jan took in the second round that caused a cut under his eye. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like under his eye, but kind of in it. It was almost like, yeah. I'm trying to think how to describe it. Cause it was, it was hard for me, even just as like a person, like just as a consumer, as a fan watching, it was hard to see where it was, but right. it was clearly bothering him. Cause he was blinking a lot. And he was actually using his fingers to wipe the blood out from oh. where his eye was. And I think he got a cut in like that space. That's like, your eye, but also the bridge of your nose right there. Oh, I see like, what you mean. Yeah, yeah it was like, like kind of, it was a little bit like. Oh, that's an annoying spot to have that happen. Yeah, because the blood was like right, it was it's getting like right all in, in that eye. area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like in the bridge, on the bridge of his nose, but right, right like where his like, eye is. Think about like if you had like an itch, like mm-hmm. in between, like the, like if we're talking like your right eye, like the left side of your right eye and like the bridge of your nose, like almost, I want to say under the brow. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a really weird cut Um, because the so, blood was just, it just kept going in his eye. It just kept yeah. going in his eye. And he just, you know, just rolling it out of there. It wasn't preventing him from seeing, but it definitely wasn't making, it wasn't making I mean, fighting rockets any easier. Right. <laughs> it was definitely right. not helping him at all. Right. 
Um, so, you know, he was able to, to push through that. And he was still chopping those legs, landing punches. But I felt like Rockets was starting to, he was starting to take the fight. And they, it was, things just weren't really going Jan's way. Right. Um, Jan never even really attempted a takedown. Um, but he was taken down once. Mm-hmm. by uh, Rockage. And, you know, Rockage tried to take him down a handful of times. First few times it was like, you know, his strength had just kind of kept him up. Mm-hmm. But it was timing, which was what was able to get Jan down. And then Jan went for like a little, had a little Kimura attempt to get Rockage off him, was able to stand back up. And then really awkwardly in the third round, um, Jan threw a leg kick at Rockage, you know, hit his lead leg. And, you know, Jokic responds, throws a few punches, you know, so there was a few exchanges. And literally at a moment when nothing was happening, Rockage takes yeah. a step back yeah. and then just falls to the ground and grabs his knee. And it's TKO victory for Jan, Blaho- uh, Jan Blahowicz or Blahovich, however you prefer to say his name. Jan, please don't knock me out. Um, we don't buy no trouble. We don't want no smoke with the Polish power. You got right. it, dog. Right, 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 right. right. But, you know, and, you know, shout out to Jan also for walking up, but then also being like, oh, this is done. You know what I'm saying? Straight gentleman didn't try to jump on top of him because literally like Alexander Rockets was standing there. He took a step back. And when you watch, you see like a pop, but you don't see his knee go left, right or anything like that. You just Mm -hmm. see something happen and Mm -hmm. he just goes right down. Um, so I really, you know, wish him a speedy recovery. I'm always uber sensitive to motherfuckers that hurt their knees, man. Yeah. Oh my God. You just you just hate to see that because yeah. like, I don't know. I've had knee injuries and stuff. And for anybody out there, if you've had any injuries, you know where I'm coming from. But even if you haven't, like you really just like you damn near immobilized when your knee is out the game. Mm-hmm. When you take a knee out the game, you you out the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I thought overall it was a good card. I thought Everybody came to fight, which was good. Um, I th- even the fight with Jan and Rockage, he, despite that ending, it was an entertaining fight. Mm-hmm. It was an entertaining fight for as long as it lasted. Because I was, you know, the one thing with Jan is you can't count him out because of that power. Because we've yeah. seen him losing fights and then bang, one shot. Like mm-hmm. Jan isn't a multiple shot dude. He hit you one time, you out of there. You could shout out Derek Lewis. Shout <laughs> yeah. out Derek Lewis. Yeah. Um, you know, he he was able to land some some pretty significant shots. On Alexander uh, uh, Rockic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like he, you know, he was able to prove that this was a fight I thought he was deserving of. You know, he ate a handful of shots that, you know, we've seen crumble other guys. And I think that's also a testament to him being in shape, him being a younger guy and all of that. And, you know, some of that comes with just not being worried about it. Sometimes you just can't worry about that shit. You just got to go for it. Right. And, um, yeah, man. Overall, I thought it was a great card. I thought it was a great fight. Um, what uh, go according to you, TJ? Few few people got that bonus. Uh, that fight of the night went to Chukagan and Amanda Ribas. Uh, performance of the night went to Ryan Span. So, you and know, also to our uh, the newcomer, the guy who took out Torres, Frank Camacho. Yes, Torres, Manuel Torres. Yeah. And then we had uh, Manuel Torres also. He he picked up another 50K bonus as well. So shout mm-hmm. out to all of those fellas, man. Good for y'all. Good for y'all bank accounts. Good for y'all family. Just mm-hmm. good for y'all, period. Um, and that's going to conclude our combat sport episode for this week. Um, thank you guys so much for checking us out. Next week, what we will be covering, because TJ, you're going to take us out of here uh, today, but I just want to just... Mm-hmm. 
give the people the update. Next week, what we'll be covering for the UFC is the return of Holly Holm. Shout out. Um, we got UFC fight night, fight night, not fight not. <laughs> uh, we okay. got Holm versus Vera. Mm-hmm. And as far as boxing, who do we got next week? What, what's next weekend? The 20... 21st. 21st. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We got a great one. Next week, we got David Benavidez versus David Lemieux and Phoenix for Showtime and a 12-round bout for the vacant WBC super middleweight title. So next week, we will be covering David Benavidez versus David Lemieux on one end, and we will also be covering Holly Holm versus... Ooh... Ketalin? Is this how you say this name? Listen, sir, I'm uh I'm sorry, y'all. I'm gonna I'm do what Ketalin I can. Vera, Hold on. But I'm gonna tell y'all something. This card, do not sleep. This is a fight night. This is one of those early fight nights where the main card starts at six. Do not sleep. This main card is all sleeper fights. Mm. This main card is all sleeper fights. You got Holly Holm versus Vera. You got Ponzinibbio versus Michael Pajero, which is going to be insane. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the return of Chidi Nujukani, uh, a.k.a. Chidi Chidi Bang Bang versus... That's a good Dusko. ass name. It's such a good name because his real first name is Chidi. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? You can't be mad at that. That's a good uh, ass name. Against Dusko Todorovic. Um, we got Tabitha Ricci versus Poliana Viana. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We got Eric, your boy, your boy, Eric Andres, because another good nickname. I don't care what nobody says. Nickname it yourself, your boy. And be like, oh, it's your boy, Eric Anders. Come on, bro. No, you <laughs> that. that's fire. <laughs> uh, and he'll be fighting Park Jun Young. So hmm. we got pretty, pretty decent car. All of these fights, I know these aren't like super big household names, but if you guys are, I'm a nerd. Just you know, think of it as incentive. To watch yeah. the fight nights, y'all. It's an incentive to watch because everybody there is great. They coming for they're, they're they're you'll see them on a pay-per-view soon enough. If you know what I mean, like that's some of these people been on pay-per-view before, right, too. Right, right. You know, yeah. So that helps as well. Um, TJ, you take us up out of here, dog. Listen, uh, you know what it is. First and foremost, once again, props to Matt for covering all the fights this past weekend. Uh, can't thank him enough. But uh, thank you as always for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh Listen, it's we've been splitting up the episodes now for a little bit, and it seems to be doing well. So, you know, take what you want, get what you can get from us. Uh, thank you for your consistent support. You can find us on all your podcast distribution platforms. Well, I shouldn't say all the ones that matter. Right? <laughs> but, you know, we're out here on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify. You know what it mm-hmm. is. So you're looking for us now. Mind you, podcast type that in will pop up. Worst case scenario. Peep the flow page because we got all the links there as well. Uh, as mm-hmm. far as social media is concerned, pretty consistently at now, mind you, pop, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, uh, YouTube, not quite yet. We don't have enough subscribers to get the custom, but if you type in now, mind you, podcast, we show up. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, you can find us on all these platforms. Thank you again for all the support. Uh, you can follow me at tus4 underscore skate on the gram. That's T U. SS number four underscore S K A T E. And where can they find you, Matt? They can find me at 
Matt Hambrick, M-A-T-T-H-A-M-B-R-I-C. Ioyama is a bitch, and we will see y'all next week. Damn, bro. Damn. This is the combat. Shit. I, like, I'm not it. He's oh, never safe. Listen, <laughs> for that, but next week is, uh, next recording is going to be episode 20, sir. So, oh, there's I might an agreement have that, listen. Might have something special. That's neither here nor there, 20. but Aoyama's in trouble. <laughs> All right, y'all. <laughs> On that note, have a wonderful week, and we'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.